Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thank you for being with us. I'm Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Glad to have you along for the ride. All guests on Sports Talk appear on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Deuce McAllister from the Saints Radio Network will join us a little bit later this hour. Later in the show today for the College Football Fix, we'll be joined by Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. Ceasefire text line is open to you. That number is 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text, 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, $45 a line with auto pay and paperless billing. How's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. The NBA is two and a half hours away from resuming its season. The World Golf Championship event in Memphis, the FedEx St. Jude, is happening right now. Some pretty impressive scores on the golf course. We are potentially, potentially waiting for... Uh, either an, an announcement, a release, or maybe a leak of what happened on the SEC president's call uh, that was happening today involving the uh, Southeastern Conference pertaining to football scheduling and fall sports. So all of that on the docket with you this afternoon. Michael Borky, what's up? I'm fired up, man. The finals run starts today. It sure does. Brian Haydad's Los Angeles Lakers. Man, if I had money to put down, it would be on the Clippers, I think. The Clippers okay. and the Bucks. I, I love Don't everything the about the Milwaukee Bucks. With them? Um, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Just load with management. Sweet It'll be all right. And uh, Montrez Harrell rejoined the team, although the first couple of games he's not going to be able to play. The thing about. Uh, the Clippers, and the same thing with the Lakers, too. Like, Anthony Davis got hit in the eye and had an eye injury, and there were all these storylines about, oh, is he going to be available for Thursday's game? And it's like, guys, he doesn't have to be available for Thursday's game. It, their, their seating's not going to get disrupted at all. It's eight scrimmages for them. As long as he's healthy for the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Um, so the Clippers are in the same boat. You know, Lou Williams will clear quarantine by the time they actually have to play meaningful games. Harrell will clear quarantine before it's time for him to play meaningful games. It's all good. It doesn't matter for them. Tonight matters for my guys, but the the L.A. versus L.A. battle will play out here three weeks from now. Utah and New Orleans, 5.30 games on TNT, so that's a little less than two and a half hours away, an 8 o'clock tip-off also on TNT, Clippers-Lakers 
Hey, Dad, do you think either of these teams are going to be particularly engaged and into this one because they both know they're in great shape for the playoffs? That's a good question. Uh, you know, obviously this game was in L.A. and, and there were a lot of fans. Yeah, sure. There, there would be, but for this, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, my, my first thought is, you know, for the Lakers, LeBron just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy, you know, there hasn't been a whole ton of load management for the Lakers this year, and there has been for the Clippers. So could Kawhi be like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just go out there, and LeBron be like, let's make a statement here on night one. I could see that. But at the same time, you know, LeBron is smart, and well, they, the, the Lakers are going to play the long game, and there's no point in, you know, just going all out and risking potential injury when, you, you know, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah, if you're yeah. Frank Vogel, you ask them to dial it back a little bit. Like, hey, if there's a loose ball, I know you would die for it usually. Maybe just let the other guy get it, you know? And, and, and three weeks from now, I, I want you to die for it. Big yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah, not, I mean, not today. So, you know, it's one of those things, though, I think if you watch that game, if you watch the first two or three minutes, you're going to know how that, that that's going to play out. It'll be pretty obvious to you. Different story with Utah and New Orleans? Very different. Now, I don't know how much the Jazz actually have to play for, but, uh, I mean, New Orleans, New Orleans and Memphis and Portland and Phoenix, uh, San Antonio's without LaMarcus Aldridge, so even though they're like technically fighting for that spot, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it without him. Those are the teams that you really want to watch in this bubble situation because at least for the next eight games, they all have something to play for. I just like when Milwaukee plays tomorrow. I, I just don't know how much you're going to see from Milwaukee because they're going to be the one seed and they just need to get there healthy. But those four teams, they're going to be worth watching for the next two weeks. Otherwise, I mean, like Oklahoma City has something to play for. Houston does as far as seeding goes. The East is really tight knit. The news has broken. Oh, wow. How about that? That didn't take long. Yep. Conference only 10 game schedule. Boo. I we didn't even have a chance for me to tell you that everything that I have been hearing to this point is 10 game conference only schedule that is going to begin on September 26th. I got John Talty with the breaking on that one. Yeah. Okay. I wanted the 10 plus 1, man. No, but I did too, but the ACC made that untenable yesterday, I guess. So is it just that they're doing 10 games, or did he announce a start day? Yeah, September 26th. Uh, they are. They have, the September the 26th will be the start of the college I just told season. you that! I said this three weeks ago this was going to happen. I nailed it. Why are, why are we so angry over there? Just no, we're, we're, we're happy. Not you. Not you. The other guy. Me? Chill. Yeah. You told me that. Calm down. Yeah. I'm reading it here. Yeah. Um, there we go. Ten game schedule. Conference games only. It is going to begin three weeks later than anticipated. We don't have clarity yet as to whether or not there will be... I, I, I think it will be two open dates. The SEC championship game will likely be pushed back to December 19th. You will have one week in there for Wiggle I think that's Yeah, you, you got that. Ross Dellinger says the 19th is the, the date of the title game, as we say, as it stands today. There you go. Uh, I'm kind of giddy. <laughs> for a one-off, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic if we're able to play. 
And I'm not trying to do like the, oh, if we're able to play caveat thing. But, I mean, there's a lot of time between now and then. And in the time frame between now and then, you're going to bring a bunch of college students back on campus. Now, they're going to be largely doing virtual learning, but they are coming back to the college towns. Here's, to me, the point. Or, or, or the good thing, if and I don't know exactly what day classes start at Ole Miss. I think it's August 21st-ish. Ole Miss and Mississippi State usually start about the same time. So let's play this out. Students start coming back in the week before classes start because they want to get into their apartments, they want to go to bars, they whatever. So you give yourself time for students to come back, everybody to be stupid, a bunch of people to test positive, they can get over it, and then we can play football. Just kind of being real about that. You guys look like you're locked in on something. What, what, what are we? Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to I get other, all the information possible. I got other irons in the fire here too, so I'm, I'm, I'm canceling an interview that I had set up for the podcast because I need to talk about this now. So. <laughs> was it an NC State guy? Because that would have been hilarious. No, no, I, I was doing a deep dive, but uh, we'll uh, we'll come back to that. Man, this is really exciting. I I'm not concerned about the season starting. The end, yeah, that's a worry, but. I'll worry about that on another day. This tells me, and I know the season's delayed, and there may be some things, as you said, that happen between now and then, but I am 100% confident, let's call it 99% confident, that the, that games get played that day. And all the, for over the last four months, we've been talking about, well, I don't see college football starting on time, or you know, look at these games on week zero that we're probably not going to get now. For some reason, maybe it's just optimistic stupidity, I think we will have a full slate of college football games on that day. I am as confident today as I have been through the entire coronavirus quarantine situation. This is is all fascinating to me. I spent a ton of time on the phone for the last two days trying to kind of figure out where this was going to land, and, and this became the most likely scenario. I thought last night that September 19th was maybe going to be the start date and then got pretty solid information that it was not going to be the 19th, rather it was going to be the 26th. I was able to confirm that earlier this morning that that coaches uh, at multiple schools were planning for the idea of a 10-game conference schedule starting on September 26th. So the, the questions now become... When does fall camp begin? What does that look like? How far back, instead of starting fall camp next week, which is what we were anticipating, will they just do a few more weeks of strength and conditioning and then start it in, I don't know, the next to last week of August? Will they have an extended fall camp? What's all that going to look like? And the next big question is, what about the schedule? Are we going to get what uh, everybody anticipates, which is just whoever your next two cross-divisional opponents are? You're going to have five home games, five games on the road, and it's going to get started the last weekend in September when hopefully it will not be hotter than the hinges of Hades. We'll be back. Plenty to get into. So according to a story from Ross Dellinger, presidents from the SEC adopted a plan to play a 10-game conference-only schedule this fall. The league will kick off the season September 26th, three weeks later than 
was originally scheduled while the divisional structure is expected to remain. Winners of two seven-team divisions playing in an SEC championship game on December 19th. The league will play two more opponents from their opposite division. Uh, He does point out that a normal SEC schedule is eight conference games, six against the division, one against a permanent opponent from the opposite side, and then a rotating opponent as well. Um, It's kind of what uh, what we anticipated. This does eliminate the rivalry games. You will not have Tennessee, uh, excuse me, you will not have Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, uh, nor Louisville, Kentucky. Also, you will not have Baylor against Ole Miss. You will not have Mississippi State against NC State. You will not have Tennessee against Oklahoma or LSU against Texas or Arkansas against Notre Dame or Vanderbilt against Kansas State. You oh, liked out a bunch I of good games that about that one too. I've forgotten that Vanderbilt, Kansas State was. Oh. Now I don't know it's if I want to do barn this. Or not. I don't know if I, I don't know if I even want to do football or not now. By the way, that is in addition to losing Texas A&M, Colorado, Alabama, Southern Cal, Georgia, Virginia, and Auburn, North Carolina. Those two were determined yesterday that they weren't going to happen based on the release from the ACC. If you're the ACC right now, what's your reaction? Because Clemson, for example, is pissed because they want to play South Carolina because they smoke them every year, because they smoke them every year, and the in-state politics. But as a league, as a whole, what do you think their reaction is right now? They're going to lop off that extra non-conference game and only play a ten-game conference schedule. You think maybe deep down that's what they always wanted to do anyway? They wanted to win a press release yesterday, and that's what they did. They're certainly not going to go find... In the eyes of small-minded people like Pat Forty. That's They're certainly they not going to go out and, and try to find a buy game. Nobody's going to want to pay anybody a hundred, few hundred thousand to a million dollars to show up with no fans or anything like that. They'll just come back and say, you know what, 10 games works for us too. You know, if the SEC is not going to play these uh, rivalry games, it makes no sense for us to keep the uh, – they, they may not even say anything. They'll just kind of rock along for a while. They're going to tell their teams internally. It'll kind of slowly leak out to the media, and then eventually they'll say, you know, out of an abundance of caution, we're just going to play the 10-game conference-only schedule. That's my guess. You know one thing that's crazy? Oklahoma is supposed to be playing a game on August 29th. The SEC does not begin until September 26th. You could potentially have a full month, almost a full month, between the Big 12 kicking off its season and the SEC kicking off its season. And you've got two different rationales behind that, right? I've seen on the Big 12 side, Kansas has also joined Oklahoma. I haven't seen anybody else in the league that has officially moved up uh, their season, but at least there's two. Their thinking is to start the season as fast as possible before the coronavirus can spread around and potentially derail your season. The SEC's rationale is the NFL gets two full weeks now of games before you have to play one so you can learn from them and let them go first. And also things could be different between now and then, give everybody a little bit more time to help get rid of this thing or at least mitigate the spread and release the tension off of our hospitals and stuff like that. Two completely different thoughts that are leading to a month gap in the start date. Why do you think that is? Which one do you think is the better option, I guess, should be my question. 
it's funny. I was having this debate with uh, with a friend just a few minutes ago that that works in the television industry, and you know, his thought was, "Man, why don't you start this thing as soon as you can and give yourself more time?" I mean, Borky, you remember when we were kicking around the idea of eight conference games? It was the idea of maybe you started August 29th or you start at September 5th, and then you go every other week. Yeah. And you just push the season to mid-December and then play the championship game You know, whenever you've got to. You could theoretically do that with a 10-game schedule if you wanted to start on August 29th. You, you could play August 29th and then September 12th and then the 26th and then October 10th, 24th, November 7th, 21st, December 5th, December 19th. Eh, that might be pushing. You might only be able to go nine games if you wanted to do that. And then just go every other week so that you've got 13 games between days. You, you, you've got it stretched out to every two weeks. And in the event that you have some positive tests on Monday or Tuesday after a game, guys have got time to heal up and play again. They're not going to do that, though. Um, I have been told that the schedule is done. And so I'm wondering if the SEC is different than the ACC announcement yesterday where they just rushed like heck to say, this is who everybody's going to play, we'll tell you about the dates later, because they were trying to beat the SEC to the punch in an announcement when it became evident to them that the SEC was going to have a 10-game conference schedule. They just rushed it out there. If the SEC does indeed have the schedule done, does it feel like we're going to get one big news release where it says, officially, the league presidents have adopted a 10-game schedule, conference games only, it will begin on September 26th, and here's your helmet schedule? Now, since the news has leaked out already that they've approved it, do they do it as soon as possible, or do you wait until the best PR time Monday at 9.30. Is there really a bad PR time for this particular announcement? They can Tomorrow announce it at, at midnight five. on Friday. That, that would be a great time. There is no bad time well, for, for this announcement. Everybody's looking for it. But, hey, Dad, you're kind of arguing against yourself on that. Like, I agree with you 100%. But when we were talking about there was an announcement coming from the SEC, you kept saying, oh, it's going to be Friday at 5 o'clock. And the point that well, I, I was thought, making when you said that I was, thought it might be bad news. Oh, well, okay, fair enough. It was going to be bad news, maybe. But good news or bad news, I thought this was such big news, it didn't matter. They can drop it Sunday afternoon at 1.30, and it's going to get multi-days in terms of run. For, for, for all the people saying that the SEC, uh, I, Pat Forty said, the ACC checkmated the SEC yesterday. You know what the SEC just did? Completely stole the news cycle from the ACC. Checkmated them right back. I don't know chess. I don't know if you can do that, but that's what happened. Yeah, I don't think. I think yeah. yeah, that's not really how it works. Checkmate. They just did a, Double checkmate. Perhaps the SEC just extended its middle finger to Kasparov across the table or whatnot. Look at you. How about that? Yeah, it's a good, great reference. A little, little, uh, little Jeopardy knowledge mixed in there for you. 601-879-4395, that is the number. Say what? Who is Kasparov? Yes, I understand. Uh, 
Let's get your reaction on the C Spire text line. Again, 601-879-4395. So, so my question is, if they just go with the uh, the next two opponents, are they just going to reverse them? So State was supposed to be at Vanderbilt next year and then Georgia at home in 2022. Does that mean State is going to host Vanderbilt and go to Georgia this year? I'm if glad you asked. They go with, let let me shed what I believe to be a little more light on the answer to that question. All right. The short answer is yes. Okay. But the two opposite division opponents that are added to the schedule this year, you will now see, as I understand it, in three consecutive years. There's not going to be any change to the schedule going forward. So so you're going to play this as a one-off, but for, for the purpose of simplicity, adding those two. And then you'll return to the schedule as it was set next year and the following year. And the rationale behind that is this scheduling cycle ends in 2025. And they don't want to start pulling everything forward so that it has to be completely revamped going into that schedule. That's what I meant. Yeah, that State would, would host Vanderbilt this year because they're going to Vanderbilt next year. They would go to Georgia this year because they're going they're gonna host Georgia in two years. Exactly. I mean, it just, it just I, makes I, sense. I, yes, I think that's exactly what you'll see. Uh, in the case of Ole Miss, what uh, would be Tennessee and Kentucky. So they would go to Knoxville this year and then host Kentucky. And then next year would host Tennessee and the following year would go to Kentucky. I think that, uh, that's the way I understand it. But it, and that's assuming that this is the model that they go with. Everything I've heard is maybe believe that that is going to be the simplest way to go forward. All right, we'll uh, we'll get to a bunch of your comments on the ceasefire text line when we continue. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. Uh, actually, immediately when we continue, we will go to the Farm Bureau phone line. And we'll talk with Deuce McAllister, who's getting ready not for college football, but for the NFL season. That is coming up next. Interesting nugget from Nicole Auerbach at The Athletics. She says, as we wait to find out the start dates from Power 5 leagues, training camp isn't affected by a delayed regular season start. If you were originally supposed to open your season on September 5th, you can still start training camp on August 7th, which is relevant for the SEC, which is now going to begin on the 26th of September. We will circle back to this story in just a bit. Right now, we want to chat with our friend Deuce McAllister from the New Orleans Saints radio network, former Saint running back himself, and before that uh, was an All-American at Ole Miss. Deuce joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Get to the NFL in just a second. You see this news just in the last little bit, Deuce. Uh, SEC pushing everything back three weeks. Ten-game conference schedule. Take me back to when you were playing. What would it have been like to have played ten SEC games and nothing else? There was no break. I mean, so you look at that schedule and you always, and it's the wrong thing to do, but you do it. You always say, hey, look, that's a win, that's a win. But now when you look at it as far as even straight up SEC, you'll go, you'll go and say, well, that's going to be an easier game. Uh, anytime that you go on the road, you know, that's tough. Uh, but there's truly no break. And so, uh, 
a team that has great depth, you'll be able to see it. A team that is beat up and, and, and they have injuries, uh, it'll be something that it'll be exposed. And I think, you know, coaches will really you're gonna you're gonna feel it this year as far as the coaching staff, they're gonna have to be creative on how they try to not only prepare their players, but how they try to rest them as well. Deuce, I've had a bunch of people tell me that um Part of the reason the SEC is doing this, and there are a lot of reasons, is they really, really want to see the NFL do football. They want to see them do training camp, and they want to see actual games. Would have loved to have seen preseason games. That's not going to happen. By pushing back to September 26th, you're going to get to see two full weekends of the NFL. Do you think that's important? I think it's important, but it gives them a plan as well. I think it gives them another option of plans of how they should be maybe doing some things as well. And so um, we we know the bubble concept, how that can be structured. Maybe they're able to pull a little bit from that as far as that concept is concerned. Maybe it's even the screening ability as far as fans are concerned. Uh, you know, they're, they're all in it together or in a sense, hey, look, this, 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 group this league has created a pretty good formula can we replicate that formula and i think that's really what uh they want to be able to see i mean i think one of the things that uh you have to kind of understand and realize yes the sec that conference can pull it off but you're talking about a maybe a lesser conference that doesn't have the funding that the sec or the nfl has then i mean they know that it's really not possible Deuce McAllister on your radio. So what about the Saints? About uh, about ready to go for training camp. This is going to feel different than any training camp in the past. I mean, traditionally you've been at just about every practice and you, you've seen them, but it, it feels like everything's going to be changed. Uh, let's just start there. From your perspective of covering the team, are you still going to be able to go and watch them practice and kind of be part of it, or are you going to have to stay away as well? We will stay away up to a distance. We'll put it that way. By this time, normally, I would have seen at least 22 to 25 practices. And, and, and trust me, I understand most of those practices with Sean, they're not in pads. But I would have seen them do some OTAs. I would have had minicamp. Uh, they would have done some things in minicamp. So I would have had a pretty good feel for what this team looks like. You know, now it's really trying to fill in some blanks and really seeing what player is healthy. You know, uh, maybe not necessarily seeing them run against plays, but maybe seeing some different things that they're able to do. Uh, so it, it, it's a little bit tougher uh, to go about go about and judge it. You know, when you look at a player like Drew Brees, um, they had been taking back some of the throws that he's made this offseason. Well, he's still been able to work out with his, his, his quarterback trainer, uh, Tom House, but it hadn't been directly with Sean Payton and, and that crew. So, you know, you, you, you talk about the development of Taysom Hill. You talk about Jameis Winston. They haven't been able to directly be with those guys like they normally would have. And, you know, I think that is going to affect some of those players, but, uh, when you really want to develop some of those other guys, you you, you just had to trust and, and 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 hope that they were doing the things that they were, were were saying they were doing because you just you couldn't put your hands on them. Do you look at this season any differently than you did if we had been talking in February? Like like after the Super, it, it, uh, let's do it this way: if a month after the Super Bowl, before the pandemic set in. Assuming you knew that Drew Brees was coming back, 
So, so, so take me to that. You know, March, whatever, 10th. Are you looking at the season differently now than you did then? I don't think so. I think the one thing that, you know, you don't have the opportunity to do is see how some of those new players fit in. You know, I, I can't tell you exactly how Malcolm Jenkins is going to be used. I can assume, you know, I can't tell you how Emmanuel Sanders is going to be used just because I haven't been able to see it. You know, those are just two of the big moves that they made on paper. You know, does Taysom Hill take that next step? Last offseason, you know, you could tell as far as a throwing passer as a quarterback, you could see the improvement. I can't tell you that he's improved from last year to this year. So I don't know if he's taken a big enough leap to say yes. He will assume that role definitely after Drew retires. And so there's still a lot of unknowns for, you know, just particularly this team, but I think every team really feels that way. New Orleans has one of the great game day atmospheres inside the dome and outside as well. There's just something special about, uh, you know, a, a Saints game day, right? Whether it's a Monday night game or a Sunday night game or a regular Sunday afternoon game. The city's alive. The tailgating's cool. You've got the restaurants and the bars up and down the street outside the dome that are just packed and people spilling onto the sidewalks. And then the atmosphere inside the building is as good as anywhere in the NFL. How weird is it going to be this year? What's it going to feel like in New Orleans, in the dome, just kind of around the city going into each week? Or, or do you, is there any way to even know? I don't think you really know it. I think that's one of the things Sean has touched on, you know, just trying to control what you can control as far as what happens on that playing field. But trust me, that, that, um, staff, the media staff, they will get creative, you know, whether there's more tailgating, you know, you you can probably expect around fifteen to 20,000 fans in the Superdome. So how do we create an atmosphere where it's maybe just something on the big board? You know, it may be just something, uh, you know, I know teams have talked about piping in sound and doing some, you know, some teams are going to uh, be for that. The Saints are probably not going to be for that, you know, but it's going to take some resolve uh, by not only Sean Payton to make sure that his guys are focused focused and ready to play, but you're going to have to have players that understand and know that, hey, look, we won't be able to uh, depend on the crowd to get us, you know, an emotional edge. We have to be ready to play because it, it's just going to be different. And so uh, the guys that know what's at stake, they're going to be able to eliminate any distraction and go and play the game. The guys that need that extra little off, they're going to have to figure out a way to find it because it won't be just off of crowd noise. Deuce, did you ever play in a game in the NFL, home or on the road, where there was basically nobody there, where where there were only you know, 20,000, 30,000 people that showed up, whether it was because of weather or apathy or, or whatever? Uh, Katrina year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I actually wasn't uh, playing, but yes, Katrina, when we were playing in Tiger Stadium, it was more like a scrimmage. It was more about 30,000 people, and you understood and you knew why, but that's what it was like. And so to be able to hear some of the calls uh, via the television or to hear some of the checks, clearly uh, that's that's what it's going to be like. And so uh, I've, I've seen that. I've experienced it. It's different. But like I said, the guy that knows how to be a professional and go about and do his job, he's going to he's gonna be able to go out and do it. You know, you always want that little extra juice or – bump from the fans, but when you don't have it, you just don't have it. You just got to go and play. Do you like the Saints to win the division? Yes, I do like them to win the division. Do you think it's close? I mean, you, you look up last year. I mean, you had the Saints at 13-3, and three, and then the Falcons and the Bucks were at 7-9. and nine. I mean, it's just a runaway. Is it closer this year? 
I think it's closer this year. I don't think it's uh, wrapped up by Thanksgiving. I mean, because that's basically what it was last year. Um, you know, the, the way that the NFL set some of their schedules, they put a lot of the divisional games uh, towards the end or the back backload the schedule in a sense. But I think, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like that it, when I call close, it's two games, but uh, I think they do win it. Certainly going to be a unique football season. It, is there... Last thing, maybe 30 seconds left. Is there a general excitement among the players that you've talked to or just to, to get this going, even though there's concern and, and maybe even a little fear that's there? Is there excitement to get back to some sense of normalcy? Yeah, they want to see each other. I mean, the, the most that they've been able to see and be around each other is via uh, the computer. They want to be yeah. able to joke and laugh and, and hang out in the locker room and get out on the field. And so that's what they're itching to do. Deuce, always appreciate your time, my friend. Good visiting with you today. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Deuce McAllister, Saints Radio Network, joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will uh, talk a little bit later this afternoon with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. I feel pretty comfortable telling you that, yes, we'll get to a little bit of NBA and maybe a little bit of Major League Baseball but you can pretty much expect the next two hours and change is going to be SEC football as we now have uh, at least the beginning of a framework for a season in 2020. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Appreciate Deuce McAllister joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you on this Thursday afternoon. A big news day. Second consecutive big news day. Yesterday it was the ACC grabbing the news spotlight. Today it is the SEC as the announcement of plans for the college football season 2020 have been released. And we now have an official statement. I promise we're going to get to the ceasefire text line 601 601- 879-4395, 601-879-4395, if you would like to be a part of the conversation. We want your reaction to uh, to this particular year. I, I tried to grab a bunch of different tweets so I didn't lose them. They're kind of coming in fast and furious as well, not necessarily on our Twitter feed, but just in what's going on and some of the reaction that you're seeing. But first, the announcement from the SEC. Southeastern Conference has established September 26th as the new kickoff for its 2020 football season to allow its universities to focus on the healthy return of their campus communities and the gradual reinduction of athletics as the 14 members of the SEC continue to monitor developments related to COVID-19. 2020 season will be comprised of a 10-game conference-only schedule, and the SEC football championship game will be played December 19th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, rescheduled from the original date of December 5. Schedule will include one mid-season open date for each school and an open date on December 12th for all schools. Ten-game schedule, one open date. And then the flexibility to go back and make up a game on December 12th if necessary. Quotes from Greg Sankey, this new schedule supports the safety measures that are being taken by each of our institutions. We believe these schedule adjustments offer the best opportunity to complete a full season, I think that's important, by giving us the ability to adapt to the fluid nature of the virus and the flexibility to adjust schedules as necessary if disruptions occur. 
It is regrettable that some of our traditional non-conference rivalries cannot take place in 2020 under this plan, but these are unique and hopefully temporary circumstances that call for unconventional measures. Is it regrettable, though? Just in the 2020 sense, are we really going to miss this version of Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, and even Florida, Florida State? Like, I know they're traditional rivalries, but think about how those games were going to go. We're not going to miss those at all. Yeah, but those fan bases, it's important yeah, to them. I, yeah, right. They're, they're, I yeah, know. People, but people I don't, I don't care them. about Georgia Tech fans, though. Forget them. I, I'm not going to miss those games at all. And nobody around here will either. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the regret of losing those games is probably primarily isolated to those fan bases and then maybe more to just college football purists that love the tradition and the pageantry and the rivalries and, and all of that. Yeah, I've got a couple of South Carolina friends uh, in a group message that have said, this is BS, I'm so mad at the SEC. And I said, really? Are you sure? <laughs> You're mad that you don't have to play Clemson this year? Yeah. Not going to get dates today, it appears. A revised schedule for the SEC football season will be announced at a later date following approval by the conference's athletics directors. That's a bummer. Because it's, it's my understanding they've got the schedule ready. Release and the Feinbaum, schedule. Feinbaum said what we've been saying, that, that it's just going to be the next two teams in, in whatever order. So That's the most yep. logical approach. But I think you're going to get a reshuffle because teams' open dates didn't match up or anything like that. So I, I think right. they probably will reshuffle the entire schedule, but you know who the teams are going to be. Right. Egg Bowl so, Week 1 still on? Oh, I... <laughs> I've heard different versions of that. I mean, I've had people that said, yes, that's a very real possibility. I've heard people say that you, you take one of these new games that's being added to your schedule, and that'll be week one. Uh, so I don't know. I still think that would be fun. Also, another note that uh, one of I got a tweet from our friend Caleb who said, you know, the, the state championships for Mississippi high schools are that weekend as well, scheduled to be at Star, in Starville at Davis Wade. Well, Mississippi State's not hosting the Right. They would, I mean, that's SEC probably going to be the Egg Bowl. Game. Well, it's not, it's not the SEC championship game. It would be the, it's probably going to be the Egg Bowl. Mm, the last weekend of the regular season? Thanksgiving weekend? You, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, that's... that. The fifth. Well, no, it would be the following weekend. Right. So not the Friday, yeah. Saturday immediately, but the next week. So that'll be December 5th. Right. So you're saying Mrs. The Egg Bowl is probably going to be on December 5th. If it stays at the end of the season, yes. Right, which I think it will at this point, so... Okay. Uh, it may, it may. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe they're going to keep rivalry games in traditional spots. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of shuffling. Um, I guess that could mean that the um, – well, but the Egg Bowl is going to be in Oxford. I, I'm not saying that it's if there's a conflict. I'm just saying that it's interesting that all of that will be going on in the state the same weekend. Got you. Got you. Sorry, I was not following. Take a timeout. We'll regroup. Yes, hey, Dad's mad at me. We were on different wavelengths. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, there's a light in your eye. Keep shining. 
Rolling with you into the 4 o'clock hour on this Thursday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how Ceasefire can power your success today at ceasefire.com. Slash business. I was just about to walk us through the additional games on each SEC schedule based on the next couple of years and adding those. And yet, Borky, you tell me maybe that's not the way we're going to go about adding two more games to each team's schedule. Yeah, according to Ross Dillinger, who's just been on top of this since the jump, he said a separate scheduling model composed by the league office using strength of schedule will determine the two additional opponents for 2020. And that just adds more questions. Uh, How do they determine strength of schedule in the formula? And let's say you've got teams on your schedule already that match up to your SOS. Would you go weaker or stronger in that regard? This seems like it's overcomplicating what would have been an easier answer. But if they've got the model, they've got the model. That's interesting. For State, I, I just tweeted that. You know, you think strength of schedule, okay, that would probably mean they're playing Kentucky and Missouri. That's already who they're playing. So do they go down to Vandy and South Carolina, or do they go up to you know Tennessee and Florida? I don't know. What would that mean? Would it mean that they're just trying to balance everybody's strength of schedule, or they're trying to take teams that are weaker and match them up with weaker teams and good against I, good? Because it makes you think of like the West, right? Shouldn't the West get be getting easier games then because they have to play Alabama, LSU, and Auburn versus, you know, it's Florida and Georgia over there. There's a finite number of teams. and Yeah, I don't see where you're going with this. So it's I agree with what Borky said. They had a really easy solution that would have worked itself out in the next couple of years, and they're just not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing I can imagine is that somebody like Alabama looked up and realized they were going to be playing Georgia and Florida this year and said, no, we don't want to do that. Real quick, too. I just completely non sequitur, but I think you would appreciate it. We can get right back to college football. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau just asked for a drop because there were fire ants near his ball. I'm not kidding. He called a rules official over to get relief because he saw fire ants on the ground next to his ball. Anyway. Did they give it to him? No. The rules official just was confused and told him to hit his shot. Good. Sorry, I just I knew I would forget that, and I had to bring that up. That shortly after he had the meltdown and hit a couple of balls out of bounds, he asked for a drop because of fire ends. Back to college football. I'm sorry. That is your non sequitur of the day. <laughs> I, I just had to tell you that. If we could stop and talk about golf for a second, and oh, by the way, it's about Bryson DeChambeau. Let me just stick with the golf theme so it's not completely awkward. Uh, Leaderboard for the World Golf Championship FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Uh, You have Bryson DeChambeau at, uh, well, he's now uh, dropped back just a bit. Ricky Fowler is six under, as is Brendan Todd. Brooks Kepka, who started his day at... um, uh, with four straight birdies, is also at six under par. He is the reigning champ. Sung Kang, Chez Reeve, and Max Homa are all five under. Then you got DeShambo at four under, and a decent sized group at three under, including Phil Mickelson. So 
Star-studded event. Only 78 players in the field, and it is stacked, and Haydad is fired up. Are we done? Can we move on? Let's get back to the You can at least here. appreciate the fire ant story, right? I mean, The fire ant story was up, but the leaderboard I do not need. Continue. Hey, it's like in a couple hours from where you sit right now. It's like uh, Mississippi's, North Mississippi's big city. Where is it? I don't even know. Memphis. Oh, okay, great. You didn't know that tournament, the FedEx St. Jude was in Memphis? I didn't know what tournament it was. I'm not paying attention. I, when, when we all started talking about golf, I just went, wow. Fair enough. Um, these are some of the tweets that I saw that kind of grabbed my attention right after all of this happened. Um, Brian D. Fisher on Twitter, worth noting on the SEC going conference only, Kentucky's Dr. Eli Capaluto, who chairs the SEC President's and Chancellor's Committee, is an epidemiologist by trade and is also on the NCAA Board of Directors. Interesting nugget there. Um, Ross Dellinger said on Paul Feinbaum, a conference-only schedule could allow some SEC schools to get out of by-game contracts with non-conference opponents. I think this is a reasonably big part of this equation. Revenue is down everywhere. And certainly teams in the SEC, in the Big Ten, in the ACC, etc., are maybe a little more prepared to deal with revenue drops in a given year than teams with smaller budgets. But the problem with that idea is those teams still spend just about all their money as well. And so they got to have it as anyway. And if there's an opportunity to help save even Alabama $3.5 million, which was reported that the total uh, by-game compensation for Alabama opponents this year was $3.55 million. And there was a story in AL.com yesterday where Greg Byrne was kind of reaching out to Alabama fans, explaining to them the cost-cutting measures that were in place to prepare for a loss of ticket revenue and a loss of Tide Pride donations and, and whatnot. So everybody's feeling this to some degree. It, it doesn't affect everybody in the same way, but everybody is feeling the tightening of the belt and so if this is a way for schools to get out of having to pay those uh, those contracts, then it's something that they are going to explore. And a lot of those contracts had language in it that allowed either force majeure or an SEC schedule change to serve as outs in the contracts. Yeah. Just smart business. It yeah. is. It's, you it's could capitalism ask the question. at its finest. Yeah, you, you could ask the question as to uh, whether or not schools should still uphold the bargains, uh, uphold the deals. That's the next layer to this we haven't touched yet. I mean, we knew this was coming all along, really, but the group of five in some FCS programs are, are in big trouble because of this. Sure they are. Absolutely they are. I think it's just going to be a, a, a sort of a handshake of you know we'll, we'll make it up we'll get them we'll get you back on the schedule for another date but the problem is going to be some programs might not make it to that later date. Seriously, I mean, can you say hey we'll we'll schedule you next year, 
or or in 2025 well, you know, when we have an open <laughs> slot for you to come. Oh, you got me. You're going to make me look now, Borky. Hold on. I want to see the next time MSU has a uh, an open but, slot for for out of conference. It's I mean, a far fetched idea, but this would be a great time to implement the spring scrimmage idea. State has a, if this is correct, state has an open spot in 2022. That would need to be a home game, so that, that's possible. 2023, they don't have a, a free spot. 2024, I'll do two more years. 2024, they don't have a free spot. 2025, they have a free spot. So they got two in the next five years that they could do for, you know, Tulane or New Mexico or whoever want, you know, whoever they want to do that. So can you tell New Mexico, we'll schedule you in 2025? And there will be a little bit more money than you would have gotten otherwise to sweeten the deal. Do they make it to 2025 after this? The the only thing you could do maybe there is, I mean, it sounds like a, like a loan or something. Like, look, you know, we'll pay. We'll go ahead and pay you the check today. You can have that check today, but the game is in 2025, and we're not giving you any money in 2025. You just get the money today. Because that's, I think that's, it's almost like a payday loan. The, the teams need the money today. They don't, they don't need it. They don't need it in 24. There's no long-term planning for that. They got to have that million dollar check now. Yeah. Yeah, I may not need the loan when I've got a credit score that allows me to go to a traditional bank to get it. I'm, there's a reason I'm willing to pay you 38% interest on this loan. Because right. I need it now. And here's my grandfather's shotgun to, uh, you know, serve as collateral. According to Brett McMurphy, the Big 12, which yesterday announced they will have virtual media days on Monday, August 3rd, they have now canceled their media days. Yeah, We've got to expect an announcement from the Big 12 pretty soon now as well, considering the other four Power 5 conferences have made their announcement. And Arkansas is going to be in College Station, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of media days, now that this is starting to you know, fill out, will they have something for the SEC? Will we have a day where we can you know get the coaches on on Zooms or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think, think that's so. always going to be the case. But they yeah. haven't announced a date for it. It feels like right. you know, now that we might get something soon. Um, Ralph Russo of the Associated Press covers college football. He used to be here in Mississippi years ago. He tweeted this, and this kind of lines up with something I was saying earlier. SEC's decision was explained to me this way. Expecting a possible spike in cases when students return to campus means the season needs to be delayed to give best chance to start. The delay eliminates room for non-conference games. That makes a lot of sense. We'll be back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So Ross Bjork has released a statement that says a bunch of stuff, but as Borky was pointing out before the break, that Texas A&M will be in communication with Arkansas officials about their trip to Kyle Field this year because that's designated as our home game. The thing you always wonder about in that scenario is do you have to do it two years in a row to make it even? Will Arkansas say, yeah, okay, that's fine, but we're going to play it at our place next year, and then we'll get back to playing this game in Dallas? Or will Jerry, the consummate Arkansas Razorback, allow that to happen and say, boys, this is your home stadium? I don't know. (laughs) 
I don't know. What's your mood right now? What's your reaction to all the news that we've had today? So, I'm in a great mood. I'm going to be a downer. What did you say? You're you're not you're not feeling good. I, I'm going to be a downer after after oh. you finish. I'll explain why. I feel great. We're gonna have football's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm still. I got to find out. You know, from my perspective, am I, are they gonna allow road media at games? Do I need to start looking ahead to that kind of stuff? Gotta start planning. I, mean, I got to start planning. If hey, if I, hey man, if I'm not gonna go to those games, I got to plan what I'm gonna cook those days because I'm gonna get to sit home and watch college football all day, and it's gonna be awesome. Um, you know. But obviously, a lot of logistical stuff to worry about. But you know, I, I could not be more excited because just just never mind that I love college football. I mean, we've been talking about it. This show, we need college football to happen so we can keep doing this show and it has meaning. We got that today, so that's a you know, feel good. My tolerance for being a downer is going to be extremely small. So, what have you got, Borky? Well, it, it's not. I don't that need much. rain so, on this parade. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very excited because I, like I said earlier, uh, when the news broke, I am more confident that we will have a start to the college football season on the date it's supposed to start than I have been over the last four months. Okay. Um, I also think this might be the catalyst for a, a Power Five breakoff of some kind. It may be years from now, but I think this will be the catalyst to start it. But I can't stop thinking about the football that I grew up on, and then just the smaller schools, uh, the the group of five, and what this means for them, and then the FCS schools that depend on these buy games uh, to happen. I can't stop thinking about what it means for them and uh, the mood inside their athletic departments today. So th- that being the only negative, everything else is great, but that I, I can't escape thinking what it means uh, for for those guys. <sighs> This may not be a popular popular opinion with everyone. I understand that. But if this precipitates a change in the direction for group of five schools, maybe still having the opportunity, not, not the opportunity, still playing some Power Five schools in non-conference games, but that group of 65 or so schools banding together to crown their own national champion and, and i know that i know that leadership at a lot of those schools and fans at some of those schools have been reticent to go down that road and and i guess i understand that cuz you don't you don't want to be labeled as a have-not. I, I, I get that. But the level, the, the, the playing field is so far from being level. The, the, the gulf between the autonomy five schools and the non-autonomy five schools is... It gets wider every year. And I don't think there's any way to put the toothpaste back in the tube. So, Borky, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's it's a tough plight. and I mean, I, I feel for the folks at Southern Miss. feel for the folks at, at Tulane and South Alabama and Troy and schools all over the, the southeast, but particularly the, the folks at Southern Miss. 
who have been so incredibly gracious to us with their time, always. And we're going to continue to cover what's going on in Southern Miss, regardless of what's happening. But I'd be really excited to see Southern Miss on a level playing field with 65 other teams have a chance to compete legitimately for a national championship. Because right now, that does not exist. And you can say, oh, yeah, but Richard, UCF, and oh, but Boise State, and oh, but Central Michigan in that one year. Yes, only in the exception of an outlier is there a chance to get to an access bowl. But that's as far as it's going to go. That's as far as you're going to take it. There's no chance to win a title. And so, yes, while it's hard, and it's not necessarily the most fun thing ever to to go down, I think in the long run it could be far healthier for those schools. The FCS playoffs are a blast to watch, and that's really good football. You're talking about a level above FCS football, which is Division I AA as we used to know it. So, uh, now... Question, what do you do with the American Athletic Conference? Because some of those teams are right there on the verge. I I, I don't know all the answers to that. But I do know that teams outside of Boise State and occasionally San Diego State in the Mountain West Conference and the Sun Belt and the Southland, maybe the Southland is not the right example, the MAC, they don't have a chance to win a national championship. But that's a really good level of football. It's great football to watch. So play the non-conference games, two, three of those every year, to to help offset the budget concerns, but then compete for a title where somebody can actually carry a trophy off the field at the end of the year. I honestly believe that's best for the group of five. In my opinion, and I know many people disagree with that. So, Borky, I get where you're coming from, but if if this is the day or if this is the week or the, the time, you know, kind of the time stamp on the college football continuum where we go, you, you can kind of point back years from now and go, that, that's where it changed, it's possible that the change could be for good in the long run. Short-term hurt for long-term success is what you're saying. I think so. I mean, doesn't it just make sense, though? I mean, if you were a business and you had to constantly rely on other outside factors to keep your business propped up, you have to find ways to make yourself profitable. You have to find new solutions. And, and you know, these athletic, these other athletic departments being dependent on these million-dollar checks to play games that, by and large, they're not winning – that isn't, it's just not sustainable over a long term, you would think. So, yeah, I mean, or, or what you're saying makes a lot of sense. the only way it's sustainable, and it's not fun. Although right. Luke Johnson has told us, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking about a different era of Southern Miss football. I mean, the, the game was different. Southern Miss was different. They relished those opportunities to go and play in Bryant-Denny or play in Jordan-Hare or play in oh, Lincoln, yeah. Nebraska. I understand but, that. But I understand that was... the opportunities there. That doesn't have to go away. 
But you can't you be re- so reliant on it. You just can't. I don't know. I don't know how to get well, around. I don't know that, that there's a revenue model that supports them in any other way. I don't know. I don't know. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Will and you pour it. Does this mean the Pac-12 will finally shut up about how many conference games the SEC plays? <laughs> Probably not. Brian and Clarksdale, not optimistic stupidity, but optimistic hope. Three months of swag. Scientific, wild-ass guessing, he says. <laughs> That's what we've done uh, four months, but, you know. Hogman wants to know if the little piggies get to play Ole Miss twice. I don't Hogman think will that. have to get his calendar circled for that one. I believe we're going to be ready for Brown Bear Land Shark Rebel, he says. A nuanced take. We've got two candidates for 0-10, by the way. Yes, we do. I think everybody else in the league will at least beat somebody else. they got to play each other, right? They, they have to play 10. each other. you got to give that game to the got to give the people what they want. Vandy versus Arkansas, so somebody can get a win. Donald and Oxford with zero non-conference games. The likelihood of Ole Miss going 0-10 is very high. Eh, they play Vandy. Well, I don't think so. I'm not telling you they're going 8-2, but 0-10 seems like a stretch. Uh, Tim in Houston says the best games will still be in the SEC. Brad in Burnsville, so will there be a college football playoff? Do not know the answer to that yet. I think they will certainly try. Sports Talk Mississippi will continue the discussion after this. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. We got a message that said, hey, could you guys um, recap what has happened? I tuned in late. So, here you go. That's from Bubba in Starkville. Here's what happened. About 3.15, maybe 3.10, John Talty from AL.com, followed shortly by Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated and others. Confirmed what folks had begin had been beginning to hear over the last eighteen to twenty four hours, and that's that the SEC presidents on their presidents' call today voted to go with a ten game conference only scheduling model, where the first game will be on September twenty sixth. There will be one open date in the midway point of the season. I don't think that's going to be a universal open date, although that actually might make some sense. They'll probably stagger it for TV purposes over like a three- or four-week window, or two- or three-week window. Um, And the SEC championship game has been moved from December 5th to December 19th. There will be two additional... Opposite division teams added to everybody's schedule. And the assumption that we had made that we would just take the cross-division opponents that rotate for the next two years and add those to the current schedule appears to not be the case as the SEC has put together some sort of a model that's based on strength of schedule that will add the two teams to all 14 schedules in the SEC. There were a couple of notes in the SEC release about other fall sports. They are these. 
SEC announced in July that sports of men's and women's cross-country soccer and volleyball would be postponed through at least August 31st. Start dates and schedules for those sports, as well as sports in their non-traditional seasons during the fall, will be announced at a later date. Student-athletes in all sports who elect not to participate this year because of health and or safety concerns related to COVID-19 will continue to have their scholarships honored by their university and will remain in good standing with their team. And that's really it. I mean, there's some... The Return to Activity and Medical Guidance Task Force will continue to meet on policies and procedures for the safe return of student-athletes to competition, including the development of comprehensive testing and reporting policies, building on the NCAA's uh, guidelines. And each athletics program has been engaged in evaluating best practices for game operations to prepare a safe environment for student-athletes, coaches, staff, officials, and other individuals necessary to conduct games. It does not say fans in there for what that's worth. So, did I miss anything? That about covers it. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of messages from you over the past hour and a half on the C Spire text line. Josh and Tupelo says, pray for the grounds crew in Atlanta the weekend of the 19th. SEC championship game next day on the 20th, Falcons host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at noon. Yeah. They've done that it's before. turf. It'll be all right. Yeah. All they got to do is scrub up the paint and repaint it, clean up the confetti. It's no big deal. Um, Let's see here. It'd be Any one f- thing if there were fans going to be at these games, but since that seems unlikely. Well, in the yeah. next question, I mean, December is a very long way from now. Uh, so people, I've seen people point that out on social media and think there's no way logistically that you can have the SEC championship and an NFL game in a city in the same weekend with how things are right now. But it's possible, knock on wood, that we're two months into a vaccine by then. Yeah, we'll be yeah. in flu season by then. <laughs> but but, seri- no, but you're, you're right. I mean, it, December is a long freaking way away from right now. So how are we to sit here and say, oh, there's no possible way you can have both of those games that weekend? Like Atlanta could be up and running, man. Full steam ahead. Coronavirus is in the back burner. By I mean, why, why can't why can't you have those get it, an NFL game and what I mean because Twitter's an echo chamber for the paranoid and reactionary. So they used to have two college games on the same day in Jackson at Memorial Stadium. I, I think they can make it happen. Yeah. So, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll clean the stadium. They'll disinfect the stadium. There are lots of hotels in Atlanta. It'll be okay. USM Athletic Director Jeremy McLean has released a statement talking about the Auburn game, and they're going to try to replace it. you got to think that he's on the phone with all the ACC schools right this second, right? Yes. I would think so. Do you I mean, call you would, Clemson, you would, or do you call somebody that you think you can beat? You call whoever's going to offer you the biggest check. So I call Clemson first. <laughs> Clemson, Florida State, maybe Miami, yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely that would make sense at this time. I do think it remains to be seen what the ACC decides to do. I agree. They might they might back off of that now because they can't get the uh, the rivalry games they wanted. Uh, pretty much every athletics director in the SEC is releasing a statement. Here's Keith Carter's. 
Appreciate the leadership of Commissioner Sankey and our league's chancellors, presidents, my fellow athletics directors for taking this first step toward a 2020 football season. Grateful for that our football student-athletes will have the opportunity to resume competition, continue to allow the health and safety of all those involved to drive our decisions as we move forward. Upcoming announcements will include details on the capacity limits set forth by state leaders and the attendance plan for season ticket holders, students, and fans as we welcome the Ole Miss family back to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium this fall. That was Keith Carter's statement. John Cohen released a statement uh, maybe half an hour or so ago. And his was, refresh, please, computer. Thank you, health and safety of our student-athletes, coaches, and staff remain the first and foremost priority of both the SEC and Mississippi State. While we're disappointed, we won't be able to engage in a traditional non-conference schedule for our fall sports. We fully support today's decision and plan by the SEC, which is an important step toward providing our student-athletes with the opportunity to resume competition this fall. Appreciate the leadership of Greg Sankey member institutions, health and safety officials, numerous other individuals during this process. We will provide additional details on our adjusted schedule when they become available, although no decisions have been made on fan attendance at this time. We will provide that information once those details are determined. We appreciate the maturity, flexibility, and perseverance of our student-athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire MSU family during these last five months and as we move forward. So those are the statements from the ADs at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss, as Haydad pointed out just a second ago with uh, the tweet from Jeremy McClain. Burt says he needs help understanding the strength of schedule route to additional games. So do we. Yeah, yeah I don't have any clarity to add there. Yeah. You see, uh, I don't know if you – I disconnected for a second there, but uh, Greg McGarity, the Georgia athletic director, he, he made a comment about fans. He didn't give anything about – you know, a percentage or anything, but masks will be mandatory at Sanford Stadium, he says. They will be here, too. Oh, I know they will. I mean, I'm not Greg McGarity, and I'm not in position to mandate that, but I'll go ahead and tell you right now. It's going to be a football game this fall, you're wearing a mask. Yeah. Don't like it? Make plans for a fly fishing trip. Yeah. Watch on TV. There you go. Um. Tim was heck yes, college football. Caleb says the push and pull of money in contracts between SEC and group of five teams. We depend on this money to operate. We'll pay you. He's saying the push and pull is we depend on this money to operate versus we'll pay you, but don't expect us to ever schedule you again. I mean, it's a good that, point. That, that I mean, there, the there can be a delicate balance there. You would think, I mean, maybe not so much with New Mexico because what dealings with John Cohen have ever had with them before. But for a school like Tulane, a, a school that you're going to play you know, pretty often, that feels like a relationship you want to keep. If you, you, could tell, you could tell New Mexico to hit the bricks because, you know, you can live without that game. Well, and it probably ends up in a legal battle. I mean, do you think I'm wrong? No, I'm not wrong. Let, let, no, let's say, let's just say that Mississippi State tells New Mexico, "Pound sand, we're not paying you." Yeah, we we've, we've got an out clause because the SEC adjusted the schedule, and New Mexico says we interpret the contract a different way. We're going to sue you for the million dollars that you owe us. How much is that going to cost? I mean, how much you end up are you going to end up making? Unless you're going to get the legal fees paid for too. I I don't know. The, 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 my guess is the wording is going to be good enough that. 
in those contracts that it gets uh it's able to, to get around it. I think it'll be professional. I think people will be like, look, you know, we, we'll try to figure something out to make it work and do this, but if they just come in with, no, no, you have to pay us right now, well, I don't think State or, or Ole Miss, for that matter, with, with their buy games are going to be the same. King Biscuit says, now college players can wear social statements on their jerseys. Not sure how I feel about that. Kind of there with you. We'll get to that in the college football fix. That's uh, an interesting development today. That came from the NCAA. Somebody says, will the cocktail party now be on campus? Now, uh, McGarity also said that that game is still scheduled for Jacksonville. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the schedule shuffle begins. That is Ed from Brookhaven. Ed, you are correct. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. think it will happen this way, but it sure would be good. Braden Gall on Twitter says, Dear SEC, can we see all 14 SEC head coaches live on camera when Greg Sankey draws everyone's extra two opponents out of a hat? If you're looking for content, you could do a lot worse. Sincerely, everyone. Oh, what an idea. Like the draft lottery on steroids. Chris Vanini followed up, said ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC might as well save schedule announcements for a TV show on their networks like the NFL, right? That's such a good idea. Would that be the most watched television program, the the most watched programming period in the five-year history of the SEC network? It would be up there, for sure. Do you think it would beat every football game? Because games that appear on the SEC network, although some of them are pretty good matchups, right? But mostly only two fan bases are really watching it. This, since the launch of the network, would be really the first time that everybody that is a fan of an SEC school would be locked into its programming. Yeah. Because the average college football game, a couple million people... Uh, college football at the high end is watched by a lot of people, and a couple million people for your average game is still a lot. This would be a massive number, like close to the NFL draft kind of number. I'm talking. I'm thinking like nine, ten million people would watch something like that. Mm, yeah. Maybe. I mean, in Mississippi alone, so there's three million people in Mississippi. How many think you'd get here? Couple hundred thousand. Yeah, two, three hundred thousand. And this is the yeah. smallest state in the SEC. Maybe so. I don't know. You just got to make sure you don't have a woge bomb in there somewhere, somebody leaking it out ahead of time. You got to keep that air tight. <laughs> Travis Ryer, who covers Alabama, says if they can get it in, 10 game SEC only will be the greatest regular season in college football history. Fight me. Yeah. It's, it's going to feel different because there are not going to be many people in the stands. That's true, too, yeah. But it could be. I mean, just in terms of what you get on a week-to-week basis, there are no I mean, throwaway games. The quality games of game, yeah, will be, will be good. No question about that. But, I mean, it's still... I can't call it the greatest college football season of all time when there's, there's no fans, there's no tailgating, probably. None of that pageantry is happening. You're missing out on a ton 
of, of great games like we mentioned with LSU Texas going away and just Alabama USC that that's not I can't call it that though. No. College football fix is just around the corner. We're also going to visit with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. Uh, it'll be a good day to talk with him about his reaction to the uh, SEC scheduling announcement earlier uh, this afternoon. That's coming up in uh, in just a little while. Uh, we also may step away and, and take a peek at this, the top 100 list in terms of uh, players in the National Football League as comprised by the sporting news, uh, perhaps an upset at the top. Well, this is, it's a player vote, actually, which, make, which makes this even more bizarre. I was really surprised, by the way, I just because I, I was wondering. I saw that Ole Miss football just tweeted a graphic with Tunsil, and he was only number 66. Really? Guy's probably the best offensive lineman in the, in the, in the league. 66? Really? Mm. Uh, I, still, I, I mean, I, I wasn't paying attention enough to it. Obviously, I was seeing the state guys because I, I follow those accounts. I figured he was in the top 20. The, the top four. See, you would think that this would be clickbait because that's what list season is designed to do. But this is a player vote. And maybe whoever the, the NFL like switched some things around to get it controversial, but you cannot tell me as good as Lamar Jackson has been and as exceptional of a career that Russell Wilson has had, uh, that they are better than Patrick Mahomes at all. Him being the number four player and the number three quarterback in the league is laughable. I do think it shows you the respect that the rest of the NFL has for Lamar Jackson at number one. Like the guys that play against him say he's the best. And I actually put a little more credence in it. Though. I mean, you, you mentioned the not a clickbait story when, when you're talking about other NFL players. Now, I don't guess it was every NFL player in the league. I'm sure it was a sampling of players. That uh, that voted to put this list together to put together the top 100, but regardless of the sample size, in a poll of his peers, Lamar Jackson was considered to be the best co- player, best overall player in the NFL, and that says something. College football fix is just around the corner. We'll actually push that back to about 20 minutes after five. And we'll get into this conversation about college football players now being allowed to wear patches of messages on their jerseys, including on the nameplate, but they do have to be approved by the schools and the conferences. So that could be interesting this fall. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Other side of this timeout, Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham will join us. We'll be right back. Five o'clock hour with you on this Thursday, the 30th of July. We did indeed get an announcement from the SEC that the college football season, though it's going to look different, is scheduled to begin on the 26th of September, 10 conference games. We welcome Ryan Brown from Jackson, Birmingham on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan, let's just start, you know, really basic level. What was your reaction to the uh, the news that came about 3.15 this afternoon? Uh, a little surprised it's conference only. I was still expecting maybe a conference plus one model. A little surprised at the delayed start. I assumed a week one or week two start. I didn't think this would go this deep into September. But, look, I mean, this this whole month of college football has been surprise after surprise. So I guess 
I guess I shouldn't be surprised in anything, but those were the two big surprises to me. Help me understand what I was missing. We've got some of these, you know, the the blue check mark bros that are the the national college football writers who jumped all over the fact that uh, I think Pat Forty wrote checkmate SEC in terms of what the ACC did yesterday. I, I get that maybe the the announcement yesterday caught some people by surprise, may have even aggravated some people a little bit. But but why was that considered to be such a gotcha thing? What am I missing? Yeah, I really don't know, because if anything, according to the Sports Illustrated reporting, uh, the ACC heard what the SEC was doing and made a reactionary move to try to beat the SEC to some sort of punch. And I'm like you, I really don't get it. I mean, what the ACC did, rather than perhaps work with the SEC, was um, kind of cut off their nose to spite their face. I mean, you lose some, some... you know, pretty marquee games, really. I mean, Virginia-Georgia is a game their ACC was going to lose. Um, North Carolina-Auburn is a toss-up. I would take Auburn in that one. That certainly is a toss-up. Clemson's going to beat South Carolina. Um, Florida probably beats Florida State. Georgia beats Georgia Tech. Kentucky-Louisville is a toss-up. I mean, it's, it's not as if you're going to lose all those games. So I, I'm, I'm curious as to why the ACC didn't, like I say, bend over backwards, but at least try to work with the SEC as much as they could to preserve as many as those of those games as they could. It made sense. But instead, um, in what looks like a reactionary move, they rushed their announcement to uh, basically eliminate any possibility of, of playing the majority of them. Well, not the majority of those games, but many of those games. Clearly, you didn't get your talking points from the ACC like some people did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a basketball guy. I'm a football guy. So uh, I'll let Sankey send me my talking points. <laughs> well played. Well played. So this is a season that is going to look so very different in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, from from the, the game day aesthetic to the, the scheduling. But, but let's talk about this idea. So many people for so long have said, uh, you know, really hate the throwaway games, the, the buy games that nobody watches, that fans don't like, that are just plugged in as part of the season ticket package. And so we get 10 conference games. That's all we get, but we get 10 conference games. How excited are you about what that looks like and how it unfolds? Uh, I'm quite excited. I mean, we're going to get some games, in theory. Uh, if, if all the reports are true, we're going to get some games that we weren't going to get to start the year. I mean, we're going to see Auburn, you know, in my state anyway, we're going to see Auburn play Tennessee and Alabama play, or excuse me, we're going to see Auburn play Missouri, I believe, um, was the uh, Missouri and South Carolina, and then Alabama get a Florida game. We're going to see Florida, who is a contender in the East. If, if the reports are accurate, you know, they're, they're about to pick up two really difficult games in Texas A&M well, and Alabama. I mean, uh, uh, Let me interrupt uh, you just for a second, Ryan, because yeah. we were kind of under the assumption that, that that's the model that they were going to go with, that, that it was going to be the next two crossover opponent games yeah, that were going to yeah. be added, and it felt like a really simple solution. But the SEC released a statement earlier that said they were going to use some sort of strength of schedule formula to determine who the two additional games were for everybody, and it's just kind of left me shaking my head and confused as to what that even means. Okay, well, first of all, I appreciate you uh, making us an important correction. I appreciate you doing that. I've uh, been lighting a fire to cook some steaks, and I missed that uh, Missed that announcement. Today, by the way, is my wife's birthday, so I'm grilling her some steaks. Um, Happy birthday, Mrs. Brown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't know what kind of formula you would use. You said a strength of schedule formula? 
That's what it said. It said uh, Ross Dellinger reported um, that he was just spitballing yesterday when he threw out the idea of all of the um, all of the cross divisional opponents being added, and that a yeah. source told him the SEC was going to use a strength of schedule model uh, that they had uh, internally that would be um, the way they determined who those games were. Yeah. I don't know how you use the strength of schedule without knowing, I mean, do you just assume who was going to be good? Um, that's, that's a weird one. I mean, it's a little easier to do in the NFL because the NFL rosters don't change a whole lot. So, you know, the Chiefs are probably going to be pretty good this year, right? Um, so it's kind of easier to do that in the NFL, but that's and that's that's kind of odd in the SEC. I don't know how they would manage to do a strength of schedule without saying, okay, well, we thought Alabama was going to be really good, so if Alabama's on your schedule, you know, that's worth, whatever value we think Vandy's going to be Vandy, so if they're on your schedule, that's worth whatever value. So that's that's an interesting move. I'd like to know the formula they're going to use for that. Yeah, I, I do too. And that was uh, that was a tweet from Ross Dellinger about an hour ago. It, uh, exact wording was, I'm told now a separate scheduling model composed by the league office using strength of schedule will determine the two additional opponents for 2020. And uh, hmm. I, I don't know that that's ultimately going to be the case, but Ross is pretty good at his job and has been pretty locked in on this stuff. So, uh, will be interesting to uh, interesting to see. What I, I think there's some people that roll their eyes isn't the right word, but when they think about the financial impact of this, they think about it at a place like Ole Miss or at Mississippi State. But you just look and you go, ah, big bad Alabama. They're not worried about this. They got plenty of money. Georgia's got plenty of money. But we got the, um, the I guess the letter came out from Greg Byrne to season ticket holders with kind of a plea to Alabama fans that, you know, bear with us. We're trying to figure out how to absorb the financial burden of this year as well. What kind of condition are Alabama and Auburn in financially? Well, yeah, Alabama in a little better condition. They've made more revenue and more profit over the past few years, understandably. Um, with the success they've had. And it's not to say Auburn's in bad shape. I, I will say one concern for Auburn is, and there was some reporting done on this, and I can't remember the outlet, um, but Auburn did, part of their deal with Under Armour was a stock. Um, it, it involves Under Armour stock, which at the time was quite high, and has since fallen off a little bit. Um, so I think that's got to be a pretty big concern for Auburn. I think the, the estimated loss at this point on that was somewhere in the neighborhood of $8 million. Um, so, you know, certainly not going to break Auburn, but that's $8 million that Auburn probably thought they'd be spending right now. And in this day and age, there's not an athletic department in America that wants to take an additional $8 million loss based on what they're about to have to take. But um, reserves-wise, you know, Alabama operated at a deficit last year. Some of that was because of construction costs. Alabama is doing a significant amount of construction on their athletics facilities, including Bryant-Denning Stadium. So um, that has all been donation, but it it, it Calls Alabama operated a little bit of a loss, but by and large, I think Alabama's athletic department the year before profited somewhere in the neighborhood of forty to forty-five million. So I don't think cash reserves would be a huge issue for Alabama right now. Um, but we also don't know how big the loss is going to be. That, that, that remains to be seen. You hearing anything that that gives you any indication what the the stadium capacities will look like in the state of Alabama? No, that that really has not been addressed. Um, you know, we are, uh, <laughs> we, we've had a lot of press conferences, um, from Governor Ivey and, uh, you know, they've just now announced 
uh, it was last week that the high school athletic association announced the high school football would go on. Some of the districts have opted out of that, so it's not going to go on uniformly throughout the state of Alabama. So that's going to be a little bit of a mess. Um, but you know, I, I don't know that it's any indication at all. But there were no attendance on the high school games. Now it's far more difficult to restrict attendance because it's general admission seating by and large. So it's not as if you can restrict you know, how close people are sitting to one another by what tickets you sell them. So that's, yeah, but there is, uh, I know Alan Green and Greg Byrne have said they want fans to attend games. They don't know what it's going to look like. They know it is going to be limited at this point, but to what extent, I do not know. I guess the argument, and it's not a difficult argument to make, be make uh, to to make, is that the most talented teams will be the ones that, you know, rise to the top and maybe even benefit the most from this. Is Alabama the team that benefits most from a 10-game conference schedule? Is it Georgia? Is it LSU? Is it somebody else? Um, well, you know, I think a lot of it is if Ross is right and we do this strength schedule, i got to see who they end up with. I mean, the initial one, I saw Georgia look like a big winner. Um, and Florida looked like a big loser. Alabama added Florida. I mean, that's a tough game. That's a top-10 team. If you add Vanderbilt, you know, is the other one, it does kind of balance it out a little bit. Um, yeah, I think some of that would remain to be seen based on who who you add. Alabama already has Georgia out of the East and Tennessee each year, so really the only you know Kentucky or, or, or Florida would be the only two teams you could add that would be teams that I would say are projected in the top half of the East. So um, yeah. I, I don't think it, yeah I don't think it'll hurt Alabama that much only because they've already got Georgia on there. It's not as if they're going to you know they thought they were going to have Vanderbilt no end up with Georgia. They already had Georgia, so yeah, I think they'll be fine and. You know, with Auburn, they play Georgia every year anyway. They've already got Alabama and LSU and all the West, and they had Kentucky out of the East, which is certainly not an easy game this year. It's one of the better teams Kentucky will have at quite some time. It's going to be interesting. Brian, appreciate your time. Uh, I'll take my steak medium rare. Thank you, my friend. You got it. Bye, buddy. Hey, with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. News out of South Carolina. Uh, one of the board of trustees, uh, the members at the University of South Carolina, told The Athletic that the vote was 13 to 1 among SEC presidents. And this guy's name was Chuck Allen. He says, My understanding is the vote was 13 to 1 with our president, Bob Caslin, being the sole dissenting vote. And part of the reason for his dissenting vote was the rivalry with Clemson. said, I think that speaks volumes about the importance of the rivalry. Caslin released a statement saying, I am pleased that football will return in the fall and that we will play our SEC competitors. Throughout discussions, I took the position that we should continue to play our in-state rival, but I support the ultimate decision. So, Borky, you grew up in that state. You know how big a deal it is. And... South Carolina president only, I mean, I mean, that means that president at Georgia, president at Florida, president at Kentucky all voted in favor of going this route, but the president at South Carolina said, no, I, I'm going to hang on and vote for keeping the rivalry game. And that's interesting considering uh, apparently Scott Strickland at Florida was very in favor of keeping the Florida-Florida State game, so his president apparently voted against the wishes of his athletic director. But, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal in that state. Uh, it's a state that, even though it has bigger cities than Mississippi, is set up very similar uh, with the way that game matters so much to the people in that state. And, and it's very similar to here. 
up until recently, neither one has really been nationally competitive, so that game was really all that they had to lean on for the longest time, really until Steve Spurrier got to South Carolina and then Dabo at Clemson. It was kind of a nothing game except for between the two teams, so a very similar feel there than here. Um, so, yeah, it's a big deal. I just think South Carolina is probably best to avoid Clemson this year, but that's just me. And good for that guy, though, because you got to stand up for your school sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you just got to be the guy that says, look, I know I'm going to lose. I know it, it, I'm just doing this out of – it's symbolic, but this is what we believe, and we should vote for this. I'm going to vote for this. I don't. I know it's not going to pass, and I don't care. I want to be able to go back to my, my constituents, my, my fans, and say, I did what I could. Not everybody does that. Dan Radakovich, who is the athletics director at Clemson, said Clemson aggressively lobbied the ACC to include an additional non-conference game for the primary purpose of maintaining our long-standing rivalry game with South Carolina. We're disappointed to hear the scheduling decision announced by the SEC as we know the importance of the Palmetto Bowl to the state of South Carolina. We will work to fill the opening on our schedule immediately. Maybe there's your opportunity, Southern Miss, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, we need to get to the college football fix. We push that back just a little bit. Here it is right now. College football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Plus, you got the summer sales event going, which means great savings on Ford SUVs. Plus, the biggest inventory of trucks that is available out there anywhere. Stop by your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. From the NCAA, the Playing Rules Oversight Panel approved rules to allow student-athletes in all sports to wear patches on their uniforms for commemorative and memorial purposes, as well as to support social justice issues. Current rules in some sports do not allow patches, while the rule books for several other sports do not address the topic. Panel members met by video conference last week and reaffirmed and expanded existing rules, which will now allow student-athletes two places on the uniform, one on the front and one on the back, to express support and voice their opinions. The patch on the front, which most sports already allowed, is authorized by the school or conference, may be a commemorative or memorial patch could be names, mascots, nicknames, logos, or marks intended to celebrate or memorialize people, events, or other causes. There are limits to how big it can be. The patch must not exceed two and a quarter square inches and must be placed on the front or sleeve of the uniform. While not all team members are required to wear the patch, they must be identical for those who choose to wear them. I guess we're talking about the size. The second location is on the back of the uniform where the player name is traditionally located and as authorized by the school or conference will allow names or words intended to celebrate or memorialize people, events, or other causes. The names or words may vary by team member. Okay, so if I'm reading this right, the patch on the front cannot be individualized. The team has to kind of decide on something altogether. That's how that reads, yes. Yeah. But on the back, it can be individualized. Right. Right. I suppose the university won't approve of them putting their Venmo name on the back of their jersey, would they? (laughs) 
Could you put your Twitter handle? You know, I, I was about to Boy, ask the exact if same NIL question. was a thing today. Man, talk about ad revenue. Um, that would technically be celebrating yourself. It's what I said a few weeks ago, though. It holds true. And you can love it, you can hate it, or be somewhere in between. But if you want to consume sports in the year 2020, you're not escaping some kind of message. Whether it's one that you agree with or one that you don't agree with, every sport you consume this year, including NASCAR and the PGA Tour, there's some kind of message affiliated with the puttings on of these events. It's unescapable this year. Everything's going to go back to normal next year because uh, a handful of reasons. But in 2020, if you want to watch college football, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, PGA Tour, Major League Soccer, whatever, there is going to be a message that the players or otherwise are going to be putting out there while the games are going on. It will be unavoidable. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see a bunch of teams that wear a patch on the front of their jersey that is a BLM patch. Not everybody's going to do that. And frankly, it might be more impactful if you if you did something else. I mean, what what if what if a team came together and said If you want to put that on the back of your jersey, fine. But but let's do something that will promote unity. And so maybe you created a logo with, you know, two hands coming together, being held together. Just a thought. I mean, just like completely off the top of my head. But you are going to see teams that have patches that have BLM on the front of their jerseys. And you are going to see players that on the nameplate on the back of their jersey, instead of it saying Smith or Jones or Thompson, it's going to say Taylor or Brianna Taylor. It's going to say Floyd, or maybe it allows for a first and last name. It's going to say George Floyd. You know, you, you may have somebody that puts hashtag unity on the back of their jersey. And you, you may have some players that go a different route. You may have some players who choose to put the name of their grandmother who died of breast cancer on the back of their jersey. Or their grandfather, who was the biggest influencing factor in their life and passed away, or maybe is even still alive. Opens up a lot of different possibilities. Um... Any reaction to this? I mean, Borky, I, I think what you said is pretty spot on. I mean, I, this is th- there are a lot of people that are not going to like this. I've already gotten a few texts that that would follow that sentiment, and they're not the only ones. Uh, I uh, talked to somebody last night th- that I've tried to convince to watch the NBA because they live here in Jackson. I'm like, man, you can pick one. You've got Memphis up north, and you've got – New Orleans down south, and they both have elite-level young stars. You can pick one, man. Watch them. And he says, I'm not going to do it when they're promoting all of this stuff. This year might be an anomaly. 
because the television numbers and stuff are going to be extremely good just because of circumstance. But the only way, to, if you want this to stop, the only way to do it is to not watch. And if enough people, if it's so widespread that people hate it so much and they don't watch, it will affect the bottom line of all of these leagues and they won't do it anymore. It's really that simple. And look, I mean, there, there's a really good example of that, okay? ESPN became over-the-top political. I was having this conversation with a buddy earlier today. And when John Skipper left and Jimmy Pitaro became the president, they made a pivot to sports. They said, we're no longer going to be a, you know, a political wasteland on the channel where people are coming for sports. They got away from it. Got away from it on Sports Center. They got away from it in their studio shows. They got away from it in game coverage. They got away from it on the radio. But Dan Levitard is maybe the you know only. We're gonna break. Mm. Yeah, it didn't fire again. <laughs> so are we in a commercial break or keep going? Uh, no, we're, we're in a break. It, the music just didn't fire. Back again on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, I just talked you right into the break there. It was one of those little glitches. Stuff happens. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Uh, the, the point I was making before we went to the break, I'm not sure where exactly it got cut off, was ESPN as a company had become incredibly political a few years ago. And when John Skipper left and Jimmy Pitaro came in as the new president, they made a calculated decision to pivot back to sports, to make a return to the mission of serving sports fans anytime, anywhere, being the worldwide leader in sports. And you know what happened? Their ratings started going back up. More people started watching SportsCenter. More people started watching the studio shows. And people appreciated that they could go to ESPN to get their sports. That has all vanished and gone away again from ESPN. Just has. But it's not just ESPN. It's everywhere you go to get your sports right now. I understand why people don't want to see this, why you may not want to see this. And goodness gracious, the ceasefire text line is a is an indication of just that. I gave you my stance on it. I guess it was last week, either Friday or maybe it was Monday of this week. I I don't want to see a bunch of politics and stances in my sports. I just don't. I, I want sports to be my sports. But I love sports more than anything else. It's what I do. It's what I love. And that is not going to change. And I'm not going to stop watching as a result. The NBA is about to tip off its season. Pelicans and Jazz about to play. National anthems going on right now, and every player and coach on that floor is kneeling. Every one of them. 
I'd rather that not be the case. It's my personal preference. I'm still going to watch the game. Because I love the games. Um, Here you go. Let's go see Spire text line. Got to keep politics out of the game. Jason says, what if people who agree with the messages start watching sports to protest the boycotters? Is that a wash? He says, like what happened with Nike, who logged record profits after the initial drops from right-wing boycotts. Um, I don't think it'll be a wash in this case. I don't, I don't see non-sports fans becoming sports fans because of social issues. And it wasn't that way in 2016. And again... It, the, the anthem protests in 2016 in the NFL were not the only reason why they had a down ratings year. There was a lot of bad matchups in primetime and stuff like that, but um, you can't tell me that that was not a factor. And so for as much fanfare that was gained by Colin Kaepernick by doing that, there was clearly more people that were turned off by it as evidence to the ratings. And then they immediately went back to normal after that stopped becoming a storyline. There's a direct correlation there. Here's a message. Don't uh, No NBA, no WNBA for me. No way. Bunch of blooming entitled jerks. Oh, okay, that's fine. But are you a college football fan? Are you going to back away from college football because your favorite college football team has players that have social justice messages on the name panel on the back of their jersey? Or they are wearing a patch that is with a cause that you disagree with on the front of their jersey. I mean, that, that's the question. Uh, here's one that says, me and my buddies ain't watching no sports and you know why. Somebody says, Richard, what about hashtag WLM2? I, th- I think when you go down that road, you're missing the point. I don't think anybody's questioning whether or not white lives matter or Latino lives matter or Asian lives matter. The point is they're trying to bring the the ones that are doing it the right way are trying to bring awareness to the fact that there is injustice for people of color in a lot of our communities. I think that when it's well-intentioned, that's the point. But I pointed out to you when we talked about this last, and Friday, Monday, again, I don't remember exactly what it is. The issue that I have with Black Lives Matter is not the concept. It's not the idea. It's not the wording. It's the organization. The organization Black Lives Matter is largely a hate group. The concept Black Lives Matter The phrase, when used correctly, is a unifying force. And there is a huge disconnect for me between the two. Some other text messages. Um, As much as I love sports, I can find something else to do with my time. That's from Mark and Terry. Another one that says, keep politics out of sports. Um... Todd in Holmes County says they have every right to, but they have to shoulder the consequences as well. Ed says he would put Jesus Christ on the back of his nameplate. 
and you might jersey. see that in college football. The, the the difference between the college football legislation and the NBA one, the NBA had like corporatized – there was only a handful of phrases that were allowed to be put on the jerseys. If college football will allow anything, that's okay. College I'm, football is not going to allow just anything. You know what I mean, though. If it's if it's a Bible verse or something, there's no way they can not approve that, right? And if they do, then that therein lies the issue with really all of this. But what's been the problem with sports and politics into sports today is it's been one-sided. We have recently, over the last few weeks, seen where there have been prominent athletes or people that are in the entertainment industry that have said some grotesque things about a minority group, and that has not been treated the same as when Drew Brees said that he's going to stand for the anthem. The reaction was totally different from what Drew Brees said to when a current NFL player said some gross anti-Semitic things while also misquoting Adolf Hitler. Like the, The reaction is totally different. If you're going to let people go down this road and you pick and choose what politics and sports you get... That's where I find I think it's a massive problem. It doesn't bother me at all if you would allow everybody. If the Bosa brothers were allowed to keep Trump stuff on their Twitter just like this, then I wouldn't have an issue. But since they had to get censored, and since apparently anti-Semitism is not so bad, now it's a problem. You either let it all in or you let or you keep it all out. Otherwise, it's hypocritical and it doesn't belong. Somebody says Jesus will not be allowed. Write it down. Somebody says the phrase and symbol is now just as much a hate group as the swastika. For some. Somebody says if you put a Bible verse on it, they'll change the rule. Somebody says Bible verses on the back of jerseys, thumbs up. If they let that happen along with the other things, great. Then fine. Here's a message that says, I want college sports and attend games to get away from all the crap in the real world. If I have it there, too, I'll do something else and spend my money elsewhere. Tony says, "Uh, why don't they just quit playing the national anthem and nobody will have a reason to take a knee? Just, see, in the NFL... College football players are not on the field for the national anthem. Right. That's correct. And the NFL started doing it, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, in 2009, and it was part of their partnership with... Uh, military organizations. Yeah. Right. It was paid for. Yeah. Keep them in the locker room. Uh, John in Starkville. Long question. The answer is no. He says, if a taxpayer's money is going towards a state-supported university and that taxpayer does not agree with what's on the uniform of their state-supported university, do they have the right to pour their, uh, pull uh, the percentage of tax money away from that state-supporting university? I think you may lose boosters over these message messages. I think state-supported universities needs to walk need to walk softly in this area. No, you don't have the opportunity to pull the tax revenue or your tax burden. And the athletic department is not funded by the taxpayers, right? No, but the university as a whole is. I think that was the larger point. Yeah. And Greg Sankey made it abundantly clear today that athletics, despite what people write and people say, is a part of the academic mission of the university. It's their part of the biggest overall billboard. academic community. So, oh, John says he knows that the answer is no. He's being sarcastic. So, uh, you're dealing with that going on as well. The NBA restart has begun. 
in Orlando. The Pelicans and the Jazz are playing game one of the restart. Right now you've got the Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers coming up a little bit later this evening. We will put a bow on this edition of Sports Talk. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.